0: Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peak's downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. There we go. Hey, uh, welcome. My name's Mike, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Church of Rocky Peak. And if you're uh, brand new, first time here, a special welcome. We hope you enjoy your time with us. We're going to go into our time of teaching in just a minute. But just a couple announcements. Uh, one is that last week in the message, I mentioned and recommended a book called Weird because normal is not working. Remember that? And uh, my wife says it's an autobiography of my life. But uh, anyway, uh, I recommended that. We sold out last week at the bookstore, and so we bought a whole bunch more. And we just sold out again last service. So if you're looking, for it. Uh, it's, we'll have more for you next week. So I just want to call that. And then also, just as we enter into the new year, you know, this last uh, year we did a uh, uh, series in, in the fall called Behind the Music, where we say uh, Psalms. And you remember that? We, we talked about uh, worship and what does it look like to enter into God's presence. So, one of the things we talked about is here at Rocky Peak, we're creating this paradigm of encounter where we come in the weekend service and the King comes in and we're there to encounter with him. And remember, we talked about the importance of just uh, kind of coming on time so we're here together. So it just seemed like a good, good time to remind at the start of a year that there's a, a reason for this. We're not getting brownie points for getting to church on time. But but really that there's something special that happens when as a church we're here together at the start of worship to enter into his presence. And so just a reminder of that. Encourage that as we go into uh, this new year. But. Uh, we're going to be going into our time of teaching and so if you are new, uh, you, you may not know this but inside your program is this uh, a message note sheet we use every week for our time of teaching so I encourage you to take that out if you would and we're going to jump in as we continue this series in the simple life. You guys all ready to go today? Yeah. All right, let's pray. And God, we're just so excited about what you're doing here at our church and in our lives and how you're revealing yourself, who you are as uh, as, as our Lord, our King, our leader, uh, the one who's come to give us new life. And as we talk about what that life looks like, this simple life you've called us to, where our priorities, we're putting the first things first, we pray that you'd come today and be our teacher. I just pray for great freedom as I teach. I pray for us as a church that we would have ears to hear what your spirit would say to your church. And, and then together we'd gather around your word and And just listen to what you'd say to us today in a way that changes our lives forever. And we pray that in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, today we are continuing the series that we started last week called uh, the Simple Life, Putting the First Things First. And if you're brand new, a special welcome. It's a series about priorities. So what we talked about last week is that as a culture, we're, we're living in a culture that it's moving faster and faster every passing year, kind of speed of light 24-7. And in the midst of that, it's often easy to lose track of the things that are truly most important in life. And so what we're doing in this, this, this series is asking some very simple questions, like, like as a follower of Jesus, what are my top Priorities in life. And then, secondly, how am I doing in those areas? And then, finally, uh, if I'm not doing as well as I'd like, what are some changes I could make to simplify my life so I could really put the first things first? And so, if you were here last week, we started with what I called seven simple principles, kind of laying out the foundations for the simple life. And if you weren't here, I would definitely recommend you go online and download that message because those seven principles are going to be coming back to you time and time again. And so, it'd be really helpful for you, I think, to really have some time to focus on that but uh, today we're actually moving into priority one kind of our top priority as Christ followers which we're calling pursuing God and there in your note sheet you see a section called priority one a, a new a new paradigm and what I want to do today is, is talk about kind of our paradigm of how we look at this whole issue of priorities If you've been a Christian a long time, or just a relatively, uh, maybe relatively long time, you've probably heard this, that often in Christian circles, when we talk about priorities... There's almost like a stair step, a hierarchy of priorities that's presented. That as Christians, our first priority should be God first, and then it's often said family second, and then the third one would be, uh, depending on the speaker or the author or what the setting, it might be, it's something else. It's, it might be church, it might be others, it might be career, it might be ministry, if you're football, I mean, if you're Tim Tebow, it's football, uh, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, but, but this kind of this hierarchy, are you with kind of God, uh, family, and then something that fills in Three and, we got, and so the idea is that there's certain priorities as Christ follows. This is what we do first, this is what we do second, and so on. And, and I think there's a lot of value to that paradigm because in an ultimate, uh, ultimate sense, there's a lot of truth to this, that as we're going to see today, that as Christ followers, our, our number one priority is to know, please, and, and love God. I mean, that's, that's our number one. And there's no question that, you know, family is would be kind of our second priority in a sense, and so, and then other things third. And so it's true that, for example, if I have to choose between pleasing God and pleasing my wife, that that God would say my top priority is pleasing God, right? I said that this week to a staff person. They said, I can't believe you just said that out loud. But uh, anyway, uh, but and, and it's true that if we have to choose between being successful on the job, job or successful as a husband and a father, that it's more important to be successful as a husband and father than it is on the job. And so there's some ultimate truth to this paradigm of kind of stair-stap or hierarchy. But I think that in real life, and in everyday life, it's actually hard to apply that or see how it really fits because uh, the reality is like, when do you really finish with God, right? Like, when do you say, okay, I'm done with God, I took care of that, okay, now I'm ready to move on to my family. Uh, or for example, how do you make decisions in your, in your career? For example, uh, like, like does putting God first and then family second, does that mean you should never take a job that requires extended travel? Does it mean you never should take a job where you have longer hours at times of the year? Uh, does, does it mean that, well, no, you, sh- you shouldn't take that job because you're gonna miss church on the weekends. That's not putting God first. Or does it mean that uh, if you're an accountant during tax season, you shouldn't work killer hours because, because family should become a first? So, even though that's where you make your hay, and even that's where your job is, and even that's where you need to take care of your clients, that no, you just need to work eight, 10 hours a day, should never change, you see. And so, what I found in my life is often that paradigm's helpful in the, in the big picture of what things come first, second, and third, but not so helpful in everyday practical life and determining. And so, what I want to suggest to you today is a new paradigm. It's a paradigm that I've kind of used in my life uh, forever. And uh, and it's and it's kind of a, it's a wheel diagram. And so it's there in your note sheet. And so we're going to take a look at it there. And so you'll see that as you look at it, this wheel represents your life, okay? The wheel represents your life, and around the edges of the wheel, I put some of the priorities, top priorities. Now, these are not our only priorities. There are other priorities that God calls us to, but these are five we're going to be talking about in this series, so I put them there. So you can see at the top, you've got family, you've got career, you've got ministry, finances, and you have renewal, kind of rest and renewal. But there's one thing that's kind of uh, uh, conspicuously missing from this diagram, and what, what is that? God, right? Okay, so what we're going to do, I'm going to have you right now on your note sheet, I want you to write God in the center, okay? So God becomes the center of your life, that he's the hub around which all of your life uh, revolves. So I'm going to put God here in the center of our life. And so what we're saying here, it's a different way of looking at it. Instead of saying, okay, God's first and family's second, what we're going to say is, no, God is first in everything. God's first, And so we're going to put him in the center of my life. And so what does it look like then to follow Christ? It means, well, in every situation, I'm really asking, like, what do you want me to do in this area of my life? And so there in your note sheet, there's a verse, for example, from Colossians 3.17 that kind of models this paradigm. And Paul says, whatever you do, so whatever you do, whether it's family, it's career, it's ministry, it's friendships, it's renewal, whatever you do, do in word or deed, what you say or what you do, whatever you do, do, it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, do it for him, do it in the way that he would do it if he were in your shoes. And so what this means is that if we're serious, and I want you to catch this, so I'm a neon lights on this today. Today we're talking about priority one making God our first priority. So, so the question is, how do you know if you're doing that? And here's the answer. There's, there's a question that we, get, we need to get in the habit of asking in every area of our life, and it goes like this. It's there in your note sheet. I call it one simple question. Let's fill in the blanks. What do you want me to do in this area of my life? Okay? What do you want me to do in this area of my life? And so we talk about putting God first in our life. God, that's what we mean. We say we're putting God at the center of our life, and in every area, my family, my career, my ministry, my finances, my renewal, and whatever other areas are, we're going to ask this question, God, what is your will for my life? How do you want me to do that? And if we're doing that, then we're truly putting God at the center of our life, and we're, we're putting him, we're making him priority number one. Now, another reason I like this diagram is because wheels are made to roll, aren't they? That, that's why they're, they're round. And so wheels roll. So like right now, you'll see at the top of this wheel, which represents kind of our top priority of focus, it, it's the family, right? And so, so, but wheels roll. And so life is not going to be static. Like life is going to move on you. And what this suggests is that at different times in our life, that God is going to call us to different areas of focus. All right? That, that it's not static. Life is not static. It moves. It changes. So let me give you an example. Like in the Bible, one of the most uh, famous characters is the apostle Peter. And uh, the apostle Peter, remember that he was by the Sea of Galilee when Jesus came, and he was there with his brother. They were fishermen. And Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'll teach you how to pursue men uh, for my kingdom, all right? So, uh, So Peter drops everything, and he follows Jesus. Now, Here's the thing. Often we don't think of this, but Peter had a family. We know this. We know at least he was married. Probably had kids, but at least he was married. Uh, and so when Jesus asked him to drop everything and follow him, he was leaving his wife behind, wasn't he? So for the next two or three years, Peter is going to be traveling around the nation with Jesus. Uh, he'll be home from time to time, I'm sure. But he's going to be traveling around the the, the nation, and his wife's going to be at home, all right? And so so is... Is his wife really his top priority at that time? In a sense, not really, right? Because Jesus is calling him to do something else. Jesus is saying, no, right now, Peter, uh, I want you to come with me in ministry. And so ministry at this season of your life is your top priority. Now, it's interesting because you go on in the New Testament. You find out that after Jesus left and Peter became an apostle, that we're told in 1 Corinthians that Peter, when he traveled, he would take his wife with him most of the time. And so in that season of his life, uh, all of a sudden, he's like, okay, this season, Peter, I want you to take your wife with you. Are you with me on this? And so here's what I want you to catch. In different seasons of our life, God will call us to different priorities, different focus, not in an ultimate sense, but in an in a ongoing kind of a, a, a fluctuating uh, sense. So ultimately, it's going to be God, and yes, family, and so on. Uh, more important to be kind of great husband and father than it is, say, to be great at what you do for a career or whatever, but that it, it, in time, as it works out, there's going to be a kind of a fluctuation. There's going to be a, a rotation. So, so here's what's going to happen. There's going to come time in your life where Jesus says to you, you know right now I really want you to focus some extra time on your family they really need you there'll come another time where he might say hey you're part of Rocky Peak right now and Rocky Peak is growing right now and we don't have enough life groups and so you're uh, you're in uh, you have the ability to lead one you're in some other ministries and and so during this season uh, God's gonna say I need you to step out and lead this ministry whatever it is was life groups or children's or homeless or whatever it is because I, I really need needs you there right now and so you're going to focus you're not always going to be there but in this season you're going to be like that and you're going to come to another season and God's going to say you know what your kids are at a really desperate place right now you need to pull out of ministry right now you need to not be leading the ministries you led because your marriage really needs some extra help or your kids need some extra help and so you need to you need to pull back at work and pull back you need to focus on your family so, so you realize what's going on so you follow this so the idea is that what does it look like to pursue God as our top priority it means that in everything we do, we're asking Jesus, how do you want me to handle this area of my life during this season of time? Now, of course, what we're assuming is that if we're serious about this, Jesus will lead us, and, and that's why we started last week with these seven foundational principles, and remember, one of them is that the Spirit will help us, that we're not on our own, that as we come before God and we ask him that if we're serious about putting Jesus at the center, if, that's serious, if we're not, he's not going to help us. He's not going to talk to people who are not listening. But if we're serious about it, we really want to honor you, then he will begin to speak and he will begin to direct. And what happens then is our life becomes increasingly simple because God is directing it. This is the focus of your life for right now. Does that make sense? So, so uh, it's a paradigm that's been very helpful for, for me. Now, over the years, though... Um, Uh, having said all of that, I think we would all agree as followers of Jesus that God is to be our number one priority. And so having set this up now, I want to ask some questions of you to help you just process this through in your life as we start this series. Okay, if God is priority one, uh, then, then what does that say about my life? Is my life reflecting that priority? Are there any changes I need to make? And so there in your note sheet, There's a section that's called Pursuing God, Three More Simple Questions. And so what I want to do, kind of lead us through these questions, help us do some analysis and then uh, some decision-making, some choices in our life. So here we go. The first question really flows out of this paradigm and what we've already seen, and it goes like this, is pleasing God your top priority? The question I have for you as we start this series is pleasing God, your top priority. Now, now for some of you, probably the answer is yes. For others you, probably no. I would just encourage you, like I said last week, to be radically honest, be ruthlessly honest about this, because it doesn't really any good to deceive yourself. It's your life. If you deceive yourself, then, then you're just, you know, you're, you're in trouble. And so just be as honest as you can, but you say, hey, is it your top goal in life to know him, to love him, and to please him? Okay, is that your type of goal? To love him, to know him, and to please him. Now, if you open the New Testament, you can see this is what we're called to as Christ followers. For example, there on your note sheet, and from Colossians chapter 1, there's a great prayer. The apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christ followers who've recently come to Jesus, not through his ministry, but through a buddy of his. And so he's he's been praying like crazy for them uh, and he writes them this letter to help them in their new relationship with Christ. And in chapter one, he says, we pray this, there in your note sheet, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, uh, not that you earn your salvation, not that, but uh, in other words, you've been called to this high calling as sons and daughters of the king, you might live up to your high calling, live a life worthy of the Lord, and that you may what? What comes next? You may what? Please him in what? Every way, and so Paul says, "This is what I'm praying for you as Christ's followers. This is your calling. I, I'm praying you might live a life worthy, Lord, and you might please, please Him in every way." Well, what do you mean? Well, in your family, in your career, in your ministry, in your uh, in your uh, finances, in your renewal, in a bunch of other areas, and he goes on to kind of explain what he's talking about in that letter. He gives several examples. Okay, and so this is our calling as Christ's followers that that we would please Him in every way. In fact the next passage I think is one of the most profound and, and uh, powerful passages in all the New Testament of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it's there in your note sheet, uh, 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says that he died for all. And who's the he? Yeah, Jesus. Okay, so Jesus died for all, that those who live, why did he die? That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Catch this. He says, he he died for all that we would live for him. He, he, let's, let's say it together. He died for all that we can live for him. Now, this is really what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Often we miss this. Some of you came to Christ and you were only told half the story. Like like some of you were told how hey, you need to come to Jesus, ask him to forgive you for your sins, and you'll receive the gift of eternal life. Now is that a true statement? Yes, that's a true statement, but it's only half of the truth, right? Because there's fine print in this contract, and you need to read the fine. And the fine print is, I will die for you so you can live for me, right? And that's part of it. This is not like, this is not upper-class Christianity. This is core Christianity. This is not for special people. This is not for pastors, missionaries, Billy Graham. This is for Christians, Right, I die for you, so you live for me. And so, so what we learn as you study the Bible is that this is a world in rebellion, that, that we've been living lives in rebellion, that we are under the sentence of death for high treason. Jesus came to take the sentence for our crimes against the king so we could be forgiven and we could get back on track with our lives. Well, What is that track? We live for him. We were created for him. I was reading this week, uh, the, uh, yesterday, just in time alone with God, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all who dwell in it. Why? Because he founded it upon the oceans. Like he is the creator, he made you. You live for him, you were designed for him. And here's what's happened for us as a race: as we got off track, we started living for ourselves, and like we're like a life now. That imagine instead of God being the center, that God becomes out here on the edge, but He's still the the hub. Imagine how that wheel would work, right? Thunk 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 thunk, and that's like some of our lives, right? Thunk 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 thunk. And so, like, what has to happen in order to live the life that God has for us? Remember we talked about this last week, Romans 12, the life that's good, that's pleasing, that's perfect. God has to come back in the center where the the central driving force of my life is I, you died for me, so I live for you. And, And men and women, that's where we find our freedom. That's where we find our release. That's where we find our, our fulfillment. That, that's where life comes together. That's where the power of God gets released in our life. When we say, yes, I surrender to you at a core level. And so now you died for me, I will live for you. And that's when our life begins to take up spiritually. And so the question is, has that happened in, in your life? As we come to the start of this series, Is God the center of your life? Are you getting up every day saying, God, how can I please you today when you have a fight with your wife like I do sometimes? It's like in the midst of that fight, you know what I'm praying? God, will you help me to honor you? I'm really angry right now. We're not getting along. And so would you help me to honor you? I don't know how to do this, right? Like I'm in the midst of finances, are you asking the question, Jesus, I realize that everything I have belongs to you. And so would you, how do you want me to handle my finances? When it comes to your career, God, I, I, I need your help here uh, to know how to handle this career. I've got a problem at work I need solving, or I, I, I've got some choices about career I need to make. And so how do you, how can I please you? You see, is that your life? Is that the way you are doing your life? And every situation, every relationship, bottom line, what matters to you more than anything else is Jesus, how can I please you? That's what it means to put God first. Okay? So is that true of your life? Now here's the irony. Here's the irony, men and women, is that often we come to Jesus and we ask him to put the priorities of our life in order without having established god is the center of our life. And so what happens is we say god, my family is a mess right now. My marriage really needs some help. And or my kids are out of control. I don't know how to raise my kids. Would you help me in this priority in my life? And he say, oh, and God, you know, we live in the midst of this culture. I'm working way too many hours and I don't know how to balance my life. And I, I can't even figure that out. Would you help me to find some renewal in my life? I know I'm supposed to do that. Or we come in sweet, we say, God, in my finances... Like, they're, they're a mess, and I need you to bail me out and, and give me some wisdom. We say, God, in my ministry, I know I'm created with a purpose, and, and, and my life, it feels meaningless. And I, I know I'm supposed to, I was created on purpose, with a purpose, and so would you show me the purpose of my life? Or we come on well, my career, I need some help here, and I don't know how to solve this or how to deal with this guy at work, and I need some help here. And so we're, we're coming to God. God, would you help me in all these areas of my life? But there's a problem here is that God is not the center of our life. And so what we're doing is we're not living for God, we're using God. God becomes a tool in our our toolbox, right? Like God becomes, we pull him out when we need help. God, I need some help with my family. Will you fix my family? You know, I need some help in my career. Would you fix my career? And, And do you see what happens here? But God says, no, I won't. I won't because you have not listened to me about your core calling in life. You're not pursuing me as my top priority. You are living in flat out rebellion against the king. You have come into my family You have asked me to forgive you. I have done that, but you are living out in the barn or or off the ranch or off the reservation. You are pursuing other gods in your life. You're making other things first. You're living for your career. You're living for these relationships. You're leaving for your finances and you're not pursuing me. And then you want me to come in and fix your life. And no, I'm not. You're living in rebellion. Do you see? And we do this all the time, don't we? God, will you fix me? Until Jesus, until God is right there in the center of your life, life is never gonna work. It is never gonna be in balance. And so right here at the beginning of the series, here's my question for you. Is God in the center of your life? Are you asking the right question? Is the number one question of your life that drives you, God, how can I please you? in this situation of my life. Okay? Now, number two. The second question, <clears throat> the second question is, is this priority, this priority of pursuing God, is this priority reflected in your schedule? Now, I'm gonna ask you to be radically honest here, all right? that, that I, I'm, I don't know your life, and, and so I'm, I'm not peering in or whatever. I'll try to keep looking different places. Um, so, so you don't feel guilty. Uh, it's like, it's it sounds like this in a message. I'm always trying to like scan because I know if I land that anywhere, they're like, oh no, he sees me. Uh, <laughs> but, but I'm gonna ask you to be kind of really honest with yourself, okay? Remember we talked about this last week that in this series, I'm gonna ask you to be radically honest with yourself because unless you do, you can never get better. Like unless we're honest with the diagnosis, we never get the right prescription, and so I'm going to ask you to be radically honest. And this, frankly, in the next few minutes may be very challenging for you, okay? So I'm kind of put, putting up little warnings. But, but, but it really holds the key to your future here, what we're, to, what we're about to talk about. And so the question is, is this priority reflected? And so one of, the, one of the, the principles we learned last week, one of the seven simple principles, is that our choices reveal our priorities. Do you remember that? That it's not our intentions that reveal our priorities. It's our choices that we like to fool ourselves. We're easily self-deceived, but it's our choices that determine. And remember, we said there's two primary places that we need to look when we're measuring our choices and evaluating. Remember what those were? Calendar and, calendar and checkbook, right? Why? Because our calendar tells us how we invest our time. Our checkbook tells us how we're investing our money. And so you you need to, and this is true in our relationship with God. So if we're going to say that pursuing God is our top priority, to know him and to love him and to please him, the next question is, is that priority reflected in your calendar? Like if someone was to come and look through the calendar of your life, would they see times there that are intentionally set aside in your life to pursue God? Okay, so some of these would be fairly obvious, things like church, right? We come to church here not to get brownie points. We, we come to church here to pursue God together, right? That's why it's important we're here on time, we're here, we're going to enter into his gates, we're going to encounter God, and so we're coming here, what, to listen to his voice through his word. We're coming here to experience his presence in worship, and so is that a priority in your life or, or is church something that if there's nothing better going on that weekend, then this will fit into your calendar, but otherwise it'll be sailing or hang gliding or sports or whatever the thing is. You know, is that reflected? Here's another kind of uh, one that's it's more obvious. One of the things the Bible teaches if we're serious about growing, that, uh, that, that one of the, the most important things to do is be intentional about spending time with growing people, okay? Like if you're serious about growing, you you need to hang out with growing people. And the reason is that we become like the people we hang out with. And so if you want to become a person who's really pursuing God, it's really important that you hang out with in an intentional way with people that are pursuing God. Does does that make sense? Okay, so, so in other words, find people who are growing, hang out with it. You know, it, it will, you, you will grow. And so that's why we built our whole church around life groups, not because, not because it's just kind of cool to have these little groups called life groups, but because this is our way of being intentional about pursuing relationship. Because now every week you're going to gather with some people who want to grow who are you going to read the word? You're going to share your lives. You're going to challenge. You're going to pray together. And so if I were to look at your calendar, maybe it's not a life group. Maybe it's some other kind of group. But would I see in your life intentional times of growth? where are intentional relationships? Would I see that? Okay? A third area would be what I would call growth opportunities. We live in a day and age where there are a ton of books. I mentioned the book Weird. We'll look at some books later on. There are books, there are resources, there are MP3s, there are CDs, there are seminars, there are essentials classes here at Rocky Peak. These are resources that are growth, and so... In the, well, I can tell you what, in the, in the lives of people are growing, I, I guarantee you, you look and you see these like growth opportunities being taken in that, they're in their calendar, okay? So those are some of the obvious ones, but I wanna talk about one that we often, I think it's easiest, I think one of the most important, but one that's uh, often we neglect the most, and that's time with God one-on-one, okay? That, that if you're serious about pursuing God in your life, What I'm suggesting is you're going to need to have times in your life on a regular basis where you're getting aside with God to listen for his voice, to read his word, to talk about the things that you're doing together, which is what we call prayer, to ask for his advice in these different areas, how do we please you, that you're going to need time for that. It just has to happen. Uh, I think we see this in the life of Jesus. One of the things I love about Jesus the way he models this if you study the life of Jesus, one of the things you see is that Jesus was very intentional about spending time alone with his Father. And it becomes obvious because the busier he gets, uh, the more you see what a priority this was. For example, there in your note sheet, <coughs> in Luke chapter five, the way my voice is going, it sounds like I'm be like Bruce Springsteen by the end of the day. So let's just go with it, you know? Uh, born in the USA, I'll start singing at the end. Uh, all right, so uh, you just don't worry about it. I'm not gonna worry about it. We got more important things to worry about. All right, so um, so look what it says in Luke chapter five. I, there's a time in Jesus' life where the crowds are really, it's, it's towards the beginning of his ministry. More and more people are coming to hear him teach. More and more people are coming, and so he's getting very popular. So life is getting crazy busy. Like he's having a hard time even getting alone, just finding mealtime with his disciples. And so in that context, it says, the news about him spread all the more uh, so that crowds of people <coughs> came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But catch this, but Jesus often, what's the next word? Withdrew. Now, would you circle that word for me? Circle that word. Jesus often what? Withdrew. And here's what I'm saying. If we're going to walk well with God, if we're going to pursue God in our life to love him and know him and to please as we taught, there have got to be times in our life where we withdraw. Okay? We have got to have times. We withdraw from the busyness and the craziness of life just to get some perspective on life and where we're going. He goes on to say he, he with, often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. He spent time with his father. And as you study his life, here's what you find. This was not easy for him. Because of his busy life, he had to get up pre-dawn or stay up through the night to do this. There was only options. And so after a long day of teaching, preaching, healing, he's exhausted, but he would often stay up late at night or get up early in the morning. Why? Because for Jesus, this was um, pivotal for him to stay on track. Like he he needed to get along with his father. He needed to hear his voice. He needed to think through the scriptures. He needed to talk about plans. He needed to ask his father's advice and direction, right? And this is where he got his strength. This is where he got his renewal. This is where he got his perspective so he could run the course well. Now here's the question that comes obvious. The question is, how in the world do we think that we can live our lives well if Jesus, without time alone, if Jesus needed time alone to stay on track, you see? So so I really believe this. In the life of the believer, there's kind of three major kinds of events that need to happen on a regular basis. We need to be in, in a large group setting. We're receiving teaching and worship, like our weekend services. There needs to be a small group setting. Think of it like a three-legged stool there needs to be a, small, uh, a, small, a smaller group type setting where we're sharing our lives in more personal ways and, and growing and challenging, right? And then there needs to be this one-on-one time where we're connecting with him just one-on-one. And so, so we talk about becoming like Jesus, but have you ever thought of this, that it's impossible to become like Jesus unless we do some of the things that Jesus did to be Jesus, right? And one of the things that Jesus did is he spent time alone, and so, in our lives, if we're going to walk well with God, if we're truly going to put God at the center, if we're going to ask this question, how do I please you in these different areas, if we have time to reflect, we have got to spend time alone with Him. Now, what this will look like is going to vary from person to person. We'll talk about that more later. How often, what you do, where, but, but what I'm saying is that if this is, this is really vital. If you're serious about pursuing God, this time is vital. Now, here's the thing. When I talk with most believers, very seldom does this surprise someone. I, if you're a follower of Jesus today and the Holy Spirit's in you, you know this is true, right? Like, as I'm saying this, I doubt that there's any Christ follower out there. Uh, that I doubt that there's any of you going, oh, I seriously disagree with that. <laughs> I think I can live my life well without ever having time alone with God. I think we can be close. I think I can be effective. I think I can stay on track. I think I can stay focused. I think I can figure out life just by on the on, on the road as I'm, you know, from time to time shooting him a quick prayer. I think I can do that, right? Like most of us, I don't think I'm going to say that. We're going to say, Mike, what you're saying, it rings true. I know it's true. Uh, it's just that it have a hard time kind of getting it done. But I think intuitively we know this. But so here's the question then, is that the question is, Are you really serious about pursuing God as your number one? And if you say, yes, I am, then here's the hard question. Is that priority reflected in your calendar? And if it isn't, then I think if you're honest, you have to ask yourself just the honest question, is it really that important to me? I'm saying it is because I know it's the right answer, but is it really that important, all right? Now, number three. The third question is, and this is such an important question, is what needs to go? In your life, what needs to go? Like, if, if we're going to carry out this priority of really putting first things first, if you're going to say, yeah, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to set aside time a week. I'm going to make church a priority so I can grow there. I'm going to join a small group where I can have consistent encouragement, support, and challenge, and I'm going to have time with God several times a week, at least regular time with God. Like, if that's going to happen, uh, my next question is, well, what has to go to make that happen, because one of the principles we learned last week is that we have the time we need to put first things first, but another principle is but we have to be intentional, and a third principle was because the good is the enemy of the the best remember that the good's the enemy of the what the best, and so If we're going to pursue God as our best, then we're going to have to be intentional. Uh, We're going to have to uh, make some choices, and there's some good things that are probably going to have to go to make this possible. There in your note sheet, I put a couple of great quotes. Uh, One was from uh, John Ortberg in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, which is a great book on spiritual disciplines and, and priorities. He says, solitude, or spending time with God, solitude (coughs) requires relentless perseverance. Like, you've got to really be on this. I find that unless I pull my calendar out and write down well in advance the times when I'm committed to times of solitude, it won't happen, you see? And I think he's right. Dallas Willard says, one's life as a whole, catch this, has to be arranged in such a way that it's possible. Can you underline that? One's life as a whole, has to be arranged so that this is possible. In other words, if you just, if, here, here's what I want you to catch. If you leave today and you go home and say, I, I was really moved by that message uh, and I really want to pursue God and, and that your strategy is just to go home and to add to your overly busy schedule <laughs> one more thing to do, what do you think your chances of succeeding are? like about a week or two maybe, maybe a day or two. And here's what I want you to catch. No, no, life as we know it has to go. In fact, that's what he says. Life as usual, remember what he said the first week? Normal is not working. So life as usual must go. It will be replaced by something better. So here's what I'm saying. If you're serious about pursuing God as your top priority, you are going to have to reschedule your life and something is have, gonna have to go. That you're going to have to make some changes in what you do. You can't just add God to the rest. You're going to have to take some things away. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's talk practically about what this looks like. Last, uh, last summer, I read a book. It was called The Simple Life. Uh, and it's really what inspired, it wasn't the the book inside, it wasn't the content that inspired this, it was the title. The moment I saw that title, something stirred, and I felt like God was calling, I I was supposed to do a series on simple lie. So then I thought, well, I better get the book and see what they say. And so uh, I got the book, and honestly, it wasn't so much the book, the content, I just told the title, I just like the title. But uh, it was an interesting book, and that in the book, what these two authors did is uh, they're two Christian researchers, and so what they did is they researched about a thousand people, uh, Christians and not, about the speed of life that we're living as a culture and how it's impacting things like family and relationships, our relationship with God and, and just our general health and so on. And, and so they, then they, kind of, they, they give the results of their findings with some suggestions in this book. And so there was a section on a relationship with God. And what they noted is for those who are Christ followers in the book, that that most Christ followers felt like they needed to be spending more time with God, but they couldn't figure out how to do it. But there were a minority of Christ followers who had found a way to do this. And so they gave some examples. And these are actual quotes of real people from the last couple years. And so I want to just go through about five of those quotes just because these are like real people that you like, here's how they're doing it. Not that this will be how you do it, but just kind of put some flesh on this. Like this is some examples. So there in your note sheet, you have that long kind of quote section and, and so here's, uh, the first person says, uh, I watch television an average of 15 hours a week. Now, uh, as we learned last week, the average person in America watches 35 hours a week. So he's actually uh, in, in a good spot. But I watch television an average of 15 hours a week. Um, and all I did was make a commitment to cut my television time to 10 hours a week. So he, said, he makes, okay, I'm gonna cut from 15 to 10. That's how, the difference. He's, that's just change in his schedule and I gave the other five hours to uh, prayer and Bible study, okay? So he says, okay, I I looked at my schedule. I've got 15 hours a week I'm watching TV. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut five hours. So I'm going to take five law and orders out of my life. Uh, Da-ding. I'm going to take five hours of heinous crime out of my life, Um, and and so I'm going to substitute that with five hours of Jesus, all right? So... He goes on, he tells us, here's how we're gonna do, how we're gonna do this. He says uh, that I now have about 45 minutes for prayer and Bible study each day that I didn't have before. Now, now I wanna ask you, you, you may have this wired in your life, but probably for most of us here, probably don't. So let me ask you this. Can you imagine the difference in this man's life of trading five hours a week of law and order or pawn shop, or uh, gators in, you know, Cajun women chasing gators. Um, (laughs) That's my my favorite one. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't even go there. Uh, Okay, can you imagine what what would happen in your life right now if you you traded like five hours, let's say this guy's, let's imagine his life, take five hours of that out of his life, and now, Every day of the week, he's going to have 45 minutes. And catch this, 45 minutes alone, 45 minutes uninterrupted time, 45 minutes just to be with God, 45 minutes just to talk with him about what we're doing together. God, I I'm, I'm just feel like my life is out of balance. Could you give me some wisdom? Here's where I'm struggling. I'm not sure what to do. Uh, God, God, uh, my finances, you know, I'm, I'm I'm struggling here. I'm too much in debt. I, I'm over, I, I need your help. Can we can we talk about this? Can you give me some wisdom? He's just processing life. Right, forty five minutes. Forty five minutes. Of where we some of that time is spent in the Word, just getting some perspective. Maybe going over the message notes from the weekend, reviewing some of the things he's he's learned. Can you imagine the difference in that person's life and the intentionality of his life? in the focus of his life, in the strength of his life than when he trades five hours of law and order for five hours of Jesus, right? Now, when you put it like that, it seems kind of like a no-brainer, doesn't it, okay? So let's put it like that, right? Um, Okay, so uh, look at the next person. I spend eight or nine hours commuting to work each day. I know a lot of you can uh, relate to that. Uh, I decide you, you drive the one on one, but uh, I, I decided to eliminate the time I listen to radio in the car. Instead, I listen to Bible on CD and spend time in prayer. Okay, so it's creative. Uh, I've got a job. I spend a ton of time on the road, and so instead of listening to talk radio or whatever or sport, I'm going to get some CDs, some Bible on CDs. I'm gonna spend some time just kind of listening and then reflecting on that, spending some time talking with God about what we're learning in that. Our next person says, my ritual included reading the, the local paper for 45 minutes every morning. So I limit myself to 30 minutes now and I use the other 15 minutes each day for prayer. And so, okay, so 15 minutes is not a lot of time, but honestly, if you're just starting out this whole habit thing, this is where I always encourage people, don't start with an hour unless you feel God's really calling you that. Start with 15 minutes. Because 15 minutes is doable. You can find 15 minutes in your schedule if you're intentional. And, and, and then if you're having a great time and you want to go longer, you can. But you're just building a habit into your life. And so it's a great place to begin. Uh, next one. Uh, it floored me when I, d- I decided to measure my time on the internet for one week. I spent 20 hours. I think that on average I, w- I read last week was 13. I couldn't believe it. I cut that time in half, immediately began studying books of the Bible. Next person says, I run about 45 minutes each day. I love listening to music and interesting speakers on my iPod. Now I listen to downloaded sermons and Bible reads at least three or four times of, uh, of the day, three or, three or four of the days I run each, each week. And so, so all I'm doing is giving you examples. These are five people who cut something out. They cut out five hours of TV, cut out a talk radio, Uh, cut out uh, 15 minutes of newspaper reading. You see what I'm I'm saying is they made a change. They didn't just add pursuing God to the rest of what they're doing. They cut something out to create space in their schedule. Now for you, it may be different. Uh, For you, for example, for many of you, and I want you to catch this, that you may have to change your schedule in order to do this. Okay? So for like some of you, it may mean, okay, I'm going to turn the TV off a half an hour or an hour earlier, and I'm going to get up a half an hour or an hour earlier, so I can spend that time with God. That's what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to, instead of going to bed at 11, you're going to bed at 10. Instead of going to at 6, you're going to get up at 5. You know, whatever, whatever the thing is, okay? You're going to make that switch. Now, if you're not a morning person, I'm not sure I would recommend this, right? Because by 10 o'clock, you'll forget you ever met with Jesus. But, uh, but maybe maybe you're an evening person. And so your thing is going to go like this. I'm going, to, I'm, going to set it, I'm going to turn off the TV at 10. I'm going to spend that extra time after 10 when the kids are in bed or the house is quiet. And that's a great time for me. I'm an evening person. And I'm going to spend that time, you know, along with him. And so that may be the switch you need to make. For some of you, maybe it's not TV. For some of you, it may be Facebook or internet or something like that. And you say, wow, that's where I'm spending all my time. I'm just going to limit that. I'm going to free up some time here. For some of you, especially guys, I think sports is a big thing for, for a lot of us. And I, I love sports. You know, I do. But, but it's easy to let a whole weekend go by, you know, if you're not careful. You just kind of watch one game after another game after another game. And, and or, or you're, you know, you're not like, you're you're in fantasy football, and which is great, but maybe you're like in seven different leagues, and so all your time is like, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and your phone's going, and you're making changes, and new your roster, and and this is just like overcoming your life, and, and maybe that's a change. Hey, you know, I just need to not get rid of it, I just going to cut it down some. Or, uh, you know, for some of you, it might be video games, I and mean, especially for the younger generation, those of you who are like in your 20s and younger. Uh, video games have become such a big part of our culture, and I'm not saying that video games are, are bad. I, I, I love video games. In fact, that's the reason I don't do them. I love them so much I would get addicted. I know i would uh, I'd be out there shooting everybody, but uh <laughs> no, just kidding just kidding i'd be I'd be building houses for Jesus in Africa brick by brick uh, but uh yeah but uh, <laughs> uh yeah, whatever pastor should be doing, uh you know one farm animal for the poor, one farm animal for the poor, I got another farm animal for the poor, You're Like, whoo you know uh <laughs> so uh. You know, but but honestly, if you're in your 20s, uh, the amount of time we can invest in, in like video games is amazing, and it can kind of run your life. So, do you really want that to run your life? And do you need to make some choices there to free up some time? So, what I'm saying is that we're all in different stages of life, different issues. But but uh, look at your life. What are you going to cut in order to make this possible? If you don't make the decision to cut something, chances are you won't be successful. All right. Now, uh, one thing I would say on this is that uh, th- this is so important, uh, th- this whole area of pursuing God. This is why when we create these essentials courses that, that cover topics that we believe are absolutely essential for walking well with Jesus, when we started that two or three years ago, the very first course that we, c- we created was this course called Pursuing God One-on-One the, because I, I'm just so convinced of this. We need the three-legged stool, big church, small church, w- you know, one-on-one time. And, and so... Um, Here's what I found, is that uh, if you've been a Christian for a while, chances are that you've been in a service that this topic is addressed, so we're talking about today, and chances are that you went out of that service and said, I really want to invest time with God, I want to make him number one, and that you started doing this, you started doing this, but, but honestly, if, I, if we could just be real honest here, it just didn't go well for you, right? That you, you went and you were going to spend time with God, and so you set your alarm, you got up early, and then you slept through uh, your time of prayer. You fell asleep during prayer. Your mind wandered. You couldn't stay on track. You didn't know where to read in your Bible. You're a fairly new Christian, so you picked Leviticus. Uh, <laughs> did not go so well. Uh, uh, you know, or you started reading, you pick a good book, like Second Corinthians, not that Leviticus is not a good book. It's a good book, but it's just a little, you know, some books are better than others. So you pick Second Corinthians, and like, you there's certain highlight verses that are cool, but half the time, like, I don't get what's going on here, and so you got stuck there, and so uh, I think a lot of us have had that experience, and so we want to pursue God, and we've tried it. It just hasn't really worked for us, and that's why as a pastor that we create our very first course was pursuing God, because I'd seen this happen over and over and I think often in Christian circles we tell people go do something but we don't tell them how to do it you know it's like get in shape right get in shape well you need someone to help you get a trainer get some advice on how to do this and so it's the same in spiritual life and so So we set aside this whole course, and the whole course is designed to help you understand how to connect with God in a one-on-one way that works for you based on the way God has wired you. And so in the course, we talk about things like how to read the word and how to understand it on your own and how the thing fits together and and how to pray and what that should look like and how your time alone can can, can look like. And here's the thing. I I really believe this, that often in Christian circles, one of the reasons we don't succeed is we have such a rigid view of what needs to happen. We need to pray like this, we need to do this and this. You would be shocked, I know you would be shocked if I just had time to unpack for you. Let me tell you what my time alone with God is. You would be shocked at the wide variety, the free flowingness that happens in that time with him. And I absolutely love it, but it's totally different than anything I've ever heard taught. You know, uh, because often there's so much, this is the way, do it this way, do it that way. And if that doesn't fit you, it just kind of uh, cranks you up. I mean, it just doesn't work. It just, and so we create this whole course on this. And so for many of you, that'll be the first step. I love the quote on your note sheet from John Eldridge uh, from Wild the Heart. He says, time with God each day is not about academic study or getting through a certain amount of scripture or any of that. It's about connecting with God We've got to keep those lines of communication open, so use whatever helps. Sometimes I'll listen to music. Other times I'll read scripture or a passage from a book. Often I'll journal. Maybe I'll go for a run. Then there are days when all I need is silence and solitude and the rising sun. Discipline, by the way, is never the point. The whole point of a devotional life is connecting with God. This is our primary antidote to the counterfeits the world holds out to us. If you do not have God and have him deeply, you will turn to other lovers. Isn't that good? And so and so and so often we so restrict this time and so we've created this course. It talks about spiritual disciplines and just uh, uh, kind of different spiritual pathways, how God's wired different people to connect in different ways. It just covers such a broad thing. And so for many of you, if God's putting it on your heart, remember what I told you last week. As we go through this series, you need to be listening not so much to my voice, you need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit calling you to do? But if you're here today and God is really calling to you to get this area of your life in order, then one of the things I would suggest is you may wanna start by just taking that course. It's available online. It's free of charge. You can start at any time. You can go at your own pace. You can download the handouts. It will tell you what books you need. You can pick up the books at our our bookstore. You can pick up the the whole uh, syllabus for it together. And and then you can download the videos and, and it's all there at your own pace. And for many of you, That'd be the very best thing. I'm gonna start spending time with God and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start taking that course and I'm gonna use that as an instrument start practicing those and just kind of find out how God is leading in my life, how he's wired me. And so as we come to the start of this series, here's what I'm saying. That loving God, knowing him, pursuing him, that's the top priority for our life. Going through our life every day, asking the question, every situation, what do you want me to do in this situation? Learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. But a critical part of that relationship is his time with him, kind of that one-on-one. I love what John Piper says there. I'm constantly astonished at people who say they believe in God, but live as though happiness were to be found by giving him 2% of their attention. Surely the end of the ages will reveal this to be absurd. And men and women, I'll tell you what. I do not want to have on the tombstone of my life absurd right? Anyone want to sign up for that one? Like, like you get, you know, you come to meet Jesus and there's several lines there. They're like, oh, you go in that line. It's the absurd line. Like we, you know, who wants that? We want to live life that really makes sense. And so it starts by putting God first. It, it starts with asking him, how do you want me to do life in every area? And a key component is scheduling that time, that weekend time, time in a small group, one-on-one time we can pursue him together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we're just so thankful for what you're doing here in our church and the way you're, you're waking us up, calling on to this, this high life that you've called us to, this, this life of passionately pursuing you, of finding the reason we're, we're made, of coming back into alignment our Creator, of being led by your Spirit in this adventure, uh, this adventure of life. And so, God, we pray that you would be working in our lives. We pray that you'd be speaking in this series. We pray that today you'd speak to our heart, and you would show us for each of us what you're calling us to do, the next step of our life of putting you the center and pursuing you. And, Lord, as we come now into this time of communion, we we want to celebrate your life and death and resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, but also that you died for us so we might live for you. And so, God, we just pray that if there's any of us here that we haven't been living for you, or we need to make some changes in our priorities, we pray you'd meet us in this time of worship, in this time of communion. And that as we surrender to your leadership, you would direct us on what we need to do. We'd ask you to forgive us for those times we've not made you first, and and that you'd teach us how 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 to live for you. We thank you that you died for us, so we might live for you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Light of the world, forever reign. And that's our prayer, that he would reign in our lives. Amen? That he would be the center of our lives and every day. The one question that drives us, our deepest passion in life is, is, God, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to please you. And and so may that be the passion that drives your life this week and, and really every week as we go through this year. Next week, looking forward to the message as we continue on, one of the things that Jesus called us to do is not only love God, but it's our second priority was to love people. And so that's a big category. We're going to break it down a little bit next week, but next week we're going to focus on loving people, but especially on loving our families, you know, whether that's your single, your Married, your kids are young or your kids are old, or whatever the situation. Your parents, young parents, old. That that we all came from a family. We're all part of a family one way or another. And so, what does it look like to love our families well? If you're not, that's not an application right now. You'll be able to apply it to those closest friendships, are kind of your surrogate type family. So, so the question is, what does it look like to love God well, love people well, especially in the area of our family, and to really put that as a, uh, t- one of the top priorities of our life? And so hope you can join us next week as we continue this journey. Until then, may Jesus be the lodestar of your life. May he be the one who captures your heart in affections. Uh, May he be the king that you follow, the shepherd who leads you every step of the way. May he be that bright morning north star in your life that guides you. And maybe he be the fire, the passion in your life that you would live for him. Until I see you again, may God bless you. See you next weekend. I love you guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.